All right, friends, welcome back to the New Jersey High School Strength Coaches Podcast. I'm with my buddy, Paul Colodi. I'm Zach Evanish, and we are powered by the National High School Strength Coaches Association. Uh, make sure that you join our Facebook group. And uh, for resources and our sponsors, you can go to nhssca.us. You can learn about membership. You can learn about um, how we educate, equip, and empower other high school coaches running the weight room. And uh, you could see the sponsor page, which lets you know basically who supports us and who we go to for um, upgrading a weight room, building a weight room, software, technology, uh, food, you name it. It's just great people. So nhssca.us is our website. We're a nonprofit. Please check us out and go beyond just being part of the Facebook group. That's, you know, be be a legitimate member and uh, possibly see if your, you know, uh, athletic department or booster club can sponsor you uh, to get to become a member because there's a lot of great resources inside the members area that I think, I mean, most people just like they stay in the Facebook group, right, Paul, but yep. you get inside that membership area. I pulled up stuff on fundraising, um, starting a program from scratch and it's been super, super helpful. So, that's it, my bro. Today we've got our buddy, Coach John McKenna, coming on. Was uh, was John our first uh, state director? He was the Northeast Regional Director, so he was in charge of you know the whole East Coast from Virginia up. Yeah, that's bigger than Tony Soprano. Then, <laughs> <laughs> no, he needs he needs the 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 golden tracksuit. <laughs> so he would be. Who was bigger than Tony Soprano? Um, it was uh, they did the movie the The Irishman, right? I watched yeah, it. In the but I didn't see that. I didn't see The Irishman. Listen, uh, people are going to think all I do is watch TV, but let's just clear the air. All right, oh. I barely watch TV, but when COVID first hit in March, my private gym was shut down, schools was shut down, so I got to watch some TV. So I just want to let the people know that I'm not like a big TV guy. <laughs> well, I'm telling you right now. I, I, I don't know what's going on in this world, but the fact that I didn't know about the equalizer, yeah. Zach, I, and after the other day, I was embarrassed that I didn't watch it. So <laughs> I went and I rented it. I'm telling you what, Denzel is one bad man Dude, in that movie. I'm telling you. I, I know. I want to, I now, I secretly want to be him. <laughs> I love the watch. Yeah. I almost feel like that. Now I'm going to be like that in the weight room. I'm like, I'm going to set my watch. Yeah. All right, let's go set up the bars. Ready, set, go. 30 seconds. 16 seconds. You just And then like his eyes zoom in on everything. And he doesn't uh, use guns. It's all with his hand or yep. whatever is surrounding him. I've always loved vigilante movies because they, it's just, you stand for the good. And I mean, I think the original vigilante movie was, when we were kids, would have been uh, Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood, right? yeah. <clears throat> was that Dirty Harry? Dirty Harry, the he original. Had the gun. He had under the, the boardwalk. Gun. Right, yeah. under the boardwalk. He had the big gun. You know, Denzel doesn't use a gun. That's what makes it even more like beast. I mean, I would like to get Denzel on this podcast. <laughs> Maybe I'll work on that. I yeah. know a couple guys. I know some people who know some people. Yeah. Yeah. Now... So what, you know, we got coach McKenna coming on board. I met coach, I think in, I didn't, I don't think I even owned my uh, warehouse yet. So I was training people out of my garage. Yeah. 
and he had purchased a kettlebell DVD that I made with my buddy, Jason C. Brown, who's in the Philly area, kettlebell athletics. And we made several kettlebell DVDs. The first one was called kettlebells, kettlebell training for sport. So it was basically, you know, strength and conditioning and power training with kettlebells. Mm -hmm. Then we did one called kettlebells for combat. And so John reached out to Jason uh, and then uh, myself because he was down, you know, basically he was 45 minutes from each of us and he was managing a athletic slash racket club, you know, like a sport club. And he brought us in to do a continuing education seminar. This is like 2004, maybe for his uh, staff, for the coaches. He was also part-time at um, Notre Dame prep. And when I first visited Notre Dame prep, he tells me that the, the weight room's in a bomb shelter. And I was like, what? This is amazing. And so we're talking, you know, 16 years ago, he had hammer strength equipment. He had the jammers. He was, you know, ahead of his time. So I want to find out what he did in those early, early days when maybe he didn't have the equipment and whatnot. And, you know, being in a bomb shelter, it's pretty amazing. He had tractor tires outside for tire flipping. He had a sand pit, just open-minded, which I think is, you know, what do you think about that? A coach who's so open-minded, he doesn't say, I'm this kind of coach. I'm a Olympic lifting coach. I'm a, he's everything. He, he's what I say is he's for the kids period. End of story. That, that's exactly how I would define him. And the, the, the connection we, we talk about it all the time as high school coaches building those connections, not only with the kids, but with the families and the community and to me, that's Coach McKenna. You know, he'll you walk around anywhere in Ewing or Trent in that area. You talk, you know, you say his name, and chances are he's trained with somebody uh, that you're talking to. And um, you know, the the fire department asked him to come and train the fire guys, and you know, he'll do he'll do and he'll do it. You know, he he's he's kind of like you. He's worn so thin, but he'll find that time to do that and just to figure out a way to get it done and. Again, it's using logs. You know, he's got those giant logs. He told me the story that um, one of his former athletes worked for the uh, worked for the Department of Public Works, right? And they were cutting down old trees and stuff like that, or the uh, yes, the old telephone poles. Yeah, and they were donating them to him, so yeah. he has them now and there. And you know, I'm like, he just he has such a good community feel, and really, it doesn't matter what he does, and he does great stuff. You know, with all all his lifts. But the kids are bought in and they're working 100 percent for them. And, 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 you know, if that's if that's the deal with the kids, they're going to get better. Man. Yeah, he and I we could we could go for days talking about all the good things he's done. So I'm going to tell you a story. When I opened up my uh, private facility in Manasquan, <clears throat> I had told coach about how I reached out to all these other coaches, especially local. A big reason why I opened in Manasquan is because when I moved here, I felt this community tight knit. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went to all the stores in the town and told them I live in town and I've opened up a small business to train the kids in town. And I gave them flyers to post on their windows because I would see all these stores would post, put up posters. I go to the Dairy Queen that I would take my kids to like almost every day. They're like, nah, I don't, you know, we don't really can't do that, blah, blah. I'm like, all right. I'm here like every day buying ice cream for my kids, their friends. Okay. 
go to the pet store. I buy stuff from that pet store all the time. They hang it up like when I'm there, then it's gone the next day. I email every sport coach, the guidance counselor. It's after Hurricane Sandy. I, I volunteer free training for any athlete whose home was affected from the hurricane. I'm, I can't even give it away in town. I'm heartbroken. I'm heartbroken. I'm like, holy crap. The town I live in, the town I'm raising my kids in, the town that I wanted to open a gym in to give to these people, I can't even give it away. And so coach brings some like 30 something football players to my gym to like christen the gym. And uh, he shows up cars, trucks, <laughs> telling you like an army of his, of his athletes. And, and they just crushed. I have it on video. I mean, they were flipping tires. We're doing calisthenics. We're deadlifting. And they brought this intensity to the, to my gym that the current athletes had not seen or experienced. And uh, every time I do this fundraiser, I, I only did not do it last year with COVID. Every year I do a fundraiser for a military foundation and a cancer foundation. Guess who brings the most people? Coach McKenna. Yeah. One, the one year, man, he I can't tell you, he must add half of the people there. We had over a hundred people in my gym. And we had two people from the local town football team. And it was for the football coach uh, in town with cancer. And they're like, where's, I hate to say it, but it was really heartbreaking. And he's, they're like, where's the Manasquan kids? So right there, my bad, there was four kids, four kids. And then coach McKenna drives an hour with like 50. And, I, and uh, but you know what? You can't give up. You can't, you have to find the people who are open-minded, the people who are willing to support, who want to be around you. I think as a coach, you need that grit and toughness, you know, you need grit. What, what's something, you know, Paul, for you that you've had to like emotional stress as a strength coach that you had to overcome and experience? <clears throat> Well, one of them was this year. Uh, we one of our one of our really really strong weight room athletes passed away um, this winter, and uh, she was in our leadership group with Jeremy Boone. Um, she was one of those those athletes that showed up and made sure her teammates showed up. And I remember the last leadership meeting we had, um, we were talking about um, just guiding principles what one daily guiding principle you have. And I said, who wants to be first? And there's 20 kids on this Zoom. And she opened her mic right away and said, prove your worth. Oh. And then shut her mic off. And I said, you know, I'm not going to let you go with that. You know, you got to tell me what that means to you. She says, opens her mic again, didn't even hesitate. She says, whenever I show up on the field or in the weight room, I want to make sure that my teammates know that I'm doing everything I can for them. I love that. And I'm like, holy cow. And one of the hard things when the, the day after she passed away, um, we were still in COVID times, but we got her, her, her lacrosse team and her field hockey team all came to the school and we just had a little, you know, just a, a sit down and talk about, you know, how fragile life is and, uh, you know, how we got to keep moving on. That was a tough one. And, you know, it was kind of one of those things where, 
everybody came to the weight room after that. And then people are starting to kind of slowly, you know, move away. And I want to, I want to keep building on that momentum. So that's a hard thing to do is to keep her memory going and keep that momentum going with those teams. Right. Because we are so, it's so heartbreaking. It just it crushes your heart. We, we're so kind of like held back right now, according to like governor's orders. And there's such different, there's like, you could do this during a phys ed class, but then you could do X, you can't do that during, you know, an after school strength and conditioning activity. And these kids need the weights. They need yeah. the camaraderie. They need the challenge that makes them feel mentally, you know, um, when we went back to school in the fall, I took a group to the weight room. And then when we left, I heard the kid walking back. He's like, man, I was in a bad mood this morning. I was pissed off. He's like, I'm in a good mood now. Yeah. And, and I know why he was in a good mood because I make sure we, we get a good pump. And right this year, I was, I was thinking about the programming as I was walking through the supermarket this morning. I was like, I'm going pretty much bodybuilding. I'm doing a lot of five by five and then three by 10 because I see the kids. I don't see the kids. <clears throat> I'm not doing a whole lot of this performance, eight sets of three, 10 by two, uh, you know, control, you know, eccentrics of five. The kids are on and off. I have to, we have to do work that's building muscle on them. And then that blood flow puts them in a good mood. Yeah. And they need it. I mean, they need it. Our, our friend coach McKenna is ready to enter the zoom call. Are we ready for him, bro? Yeah. We got to get the secret knock going. <laughs> This is episode three of the New Jersey High School Strength Coaches Podcast. Here we go. The man, the myth, the legend, Coach McKenna. Here we go, buddy. All right, here we go. Coach McKenna, put the video on, sir. Yes, sir. There he is. All right, let's go. Look at that handsome devil. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were – what we do, Coach, is before – we start uh, interviewing our guest, Paul and I, you know, kind of chat for like 10, 12 minutes. We're talking, we're not going to, we don't want to hype you up right now. <laughs> You'll have to go back and watch. You'll hear all the good stuff we said about you, man, because we love you, buddy. You're, you're an amazing guy. Thank you. How, how's everything going? Are you guys in school? Are you virtual? What's going on? We're half and half, but... Uh... Like we just came off, we were out for a week because we had some uh, theater arts people that had the COVID. Yep. And uh, so now we've been out for a week. Now we're back in, and we're half and half. And it's it's the hardest thing I've ever had to do because you got to write two different schedules. I got to take care of the kids that are out for a week and the kids that are in for a week, and the, the scheduling and everything. But it, it's working well. It, you know, it, we're still getting our kids. And we're getting everything done. Of course, you always get it done. There's no denying that. And oh, um, are you out now? He's out. I'm, I'm myself. I'm quarantined right now, but school is still. Um, we're a a a b a Monday and Tuesday, and then Thursday and Friday. Okay. Um, Paul, would you like to ask Coach McKenna the first question? Well, Coach, first of all, how are you feeling? How how are you getting through this? You yourself. Um, I'll tell you what, I'm doing really well. I'm being very careful because, you know, I'm at that age, high age. I'm an old guy, had some heart issues and everything. And uh, 
but uh, I, I've taken all the precautions, but, but I'm not going to run scared. You know, I, I'm doing what they tell you to do. Um, I still have groups in here. We don't have groups of more than 33 in here. And uh, I keep my distance, but um, I feel good. I've, I actually feel better than I have in a long time. I've lost some weight, um, uh, but I'm doing good. This uh, has challenged me, uh, you know, and I think it's challenged everybody. And I think we all like a challenge, yeah. you know, and I, I think I, I, I've lived up to it. Um, and it's been pretty good. I'm doing well, though. Awesome. Nice. Jack, can I keep going? Go for it. Um, Coach, when, when I first met you, I want to say it was probably close to 10 years ago. Nick took me down into the bomb shelter. Uh, we were there at a scrimmage. And uh, the first thing that stood out for me about Coach McKenna was the, the, the connections you make, not only with your athletes, but with, with the community and um, the staff. And how, how, how did you grow that? How did you get that going when you first got to Notre Dame? Well, one of the things, um, when I first came to Notre Dame, I was coming off, I was a police officer for 22 years, and I got hurt on the job. And um, I had always done the strength training um, and, and coach um, football over at Pennsbury High School. And uh, when I came here, um, I, I got some real good advice from a guy named Chappie Moore, who was our head football coach here. And he said, just don't be a meathead strength coach. He said, get involved in the building. Uh, and, and I did. And I got involved in the community. Um, I was the first coach to go on. A, our, we have a religious retreat at Kairos. I was the first coach to go on that. And I got involved in the community. And I love people. I love being around people. Um, and that's just the way it is. Um, everything we do down here is centered around God and goes from there. But it's hard work down here. Um, you know, I, you guys know me well enough. I just believe that um, we've gotten soft and I'm not going to let that happen down here. Awesome. So coach, before we, before you hopped on, I, I was sharing with Paul, how you and I met close to 20 years ago and how you were really ahead of the curve. You know, the first time we met in person, you had, you know, brought myself and Jason C Brown down to a uh, athletic club that you were managing to do a continuing ed like in service for your coaches. We did kettlebells, sandbags, body weight. We're talking 16 years ago. You know, we were, you were very ahead of the curve. You were also at Notre Dame at the time. And then the first time I went to Notre Dame in the bomb shelter, you had hammer strength equipment. And I just remember feeling like, wow, this guy is so far ahead of what, you know, quote unquote normal is doing. What did the weight room look like when you first got there with regards to equipment? Um, what did that kind of like foundation slash baseline look like? Because there's a lot of coaches um, <clears throat> who might have not enough equipment, not great equipment. So I'd love to hear what was that first um, setup like for you in the weight room? Well, the first time they brought me down the weight room, I had to run home and take a shower. <laughs> it was disgusting. <laughs> Um, and there is no equipment here with the exception of the old peck deck that I have. I have one of the old Nautilus peck decks. Wow. I love, but it was broken. So I had to bring a Harley guy in a Harley dealership to fix the chain on it, yeah. get it to work and everything. Um, but I was blessed because um, when I was uh, the strength coach over in Pensbury, 
And I don't know if you guys know that my college roommate was a guy named Al Johnson. Yeah. He's been a college coach for years and just took me under his wing till I met, I met Dick Hartzell. That's how I used to go to West Virginia all the time and do clinics out to Ohio State and do clinics. And um, Hammer Strength used to have a building in Cincinnati, Ohio, that had all their equipment. They used to have a meeting once a year and they would bring all their big coaches in, Boyd Embley, uh, Joe Ken, all them. And um, Al would always bring me along. And in the beginning, I was just like a sponge. I would just take anything in. I would listen to these guys all the time. And then it got pretty neat because then they would want to start hearing from me of where I was coming from a high school level to where they were at and everything. And then we've got to be good friends. And that went on for a good 10 years. But one of the things that, um, and equipment-wise, Hammer Strength and Powerless used to be together. And they helped me out a lot. Um, one of the good things we did here at school, we didn't buy cheap. Um, and at first that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to buy the cheapest thing. And I said, look, you'll be replacing it next year. Mm -hmm. So we bought racks. My racks that I have now um, are the ones I bought 20 years ago. The uh, hammer, you know, the jammers I have, I've had for years. Yeah. Um, and the, the equipment lasts. But um, one of the things that I think that, and I don't know why, but when I saw an idea that I thought would work for the school, I, I, I was willing to go out and I just didn't do it. Now, we didn't have the internet like we have now. And I, you know, I, I, I found you. Um, I found you and then I invited you down. I had taken a leave of absence from here because at the time I was doing a lot of combine work, Gary Brad, guys like that. And that's why I was down in Cherry Hill. And uh, they, uh, they, they wanted to have their trainers, you know, trained and everything. And I looked for the best I could find at the time. And you still are, you and Jason and Pamela came down and you ran a great clinic. And that's what I got. If I was going to do the bells, I wanted to do them right. And, and you were a big help. Well, you know, Paul and I shared um, the story, or I shared with him the story of when you brought the first crew of guys to my Manasquan location and how my initial thought was that I'd be training every kid in this town. And I remember sharing with you what a struggle it was to have nobody from town. And um, sometimes even within your own school, you don't connect with every coach for one reason or another. What was it like in the beginning for you as a new strength coach at Notre Dame Prep, you know, with any struggles with regards to trying to help a team, but the coach kind of didn't, you know, buy in just yet? How did you build that up? Oh, one of the big things I do, Zach, is that I had to learn the hard way. I used to be that coach that if uh, you had a team in here and five, six guys didn't show up. Maybe they were going to another trainer. Maybe they just didn't show up. I, I would be more upset about that, and I would take away from the guys that were here. And I, I finally, one day at home, I just was sitting around and saying, you know what? If they don't want, want what I have, too bad. No way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to center all my energy on the people that are here. And I think that was the key because I think what I did is I took care of what I had here. I don't care if I had two kids here. If I had 32 kids here, I gave them everything I had. And that just started to spread. And then results talk, you know, and then they see the kids having results. And then it became a team thing. And then I, then, then 
I try to sit down with all the coaches before the season, say, look, what are your needs this year? Where do you want your team? I make them, I try to make them feel included. Sure. And, and um, I've done a good job with that. And it became part of the furniture here where it just got to a point where our athletic director said, no, you don't go anywhere else. You go downstairs. We invested in this and you go downstairs. Ah, that's, that's what Jason, we interviewed Jason Spray. He's at a small private school. And he said, look, I'm not going to lose, you know, my energy. I think you learn to conserve your emotions. He's like, I'm not going to get upset over kids that are going to a private coach when they could get, you know, the same here. I'm sure he, you know, he could say you could get better here, but it's, uh, you got to focus on the kids walking through the doors. Did you ever say to the kids, John, did you ever say to the kids, listen, we got six of you. There's 50 kids on your team, 40 on your team. Can you guys go and talk? Did you ever get the have the kids try to help kind of recruit the kids to show up, their teammates? Well, I did when we were working with teams. And if I had a team in here and you'd only have half the team here, I'd say, hey, guys, if we're going to win on the field, we all have to, we all have to suffer together. True. We all have to work together. We all have to put the time in together. And they became my salesmen. You're right. They became my salesmen. And they kept bringing them in, bringing them in. And, of course, in the beginning, it didn't hurt. Having some of the pro athletes in here, having Dan yeah. Cope and Gary Brackett, and them being around, and they would spread the word. They were coming in. They would lift with the kids, which they thought was neat and everything. Wow. And, and that helped out a whole lot, too. Yeah, very impressive. What do you got, Paul? Coach, we love – coming down for the big man competition. You know, that's something that our guys look forward to every year. How, was, how did you get that going? And um, what was, you know, what was, what was your thought process when you first started that? And then um, is this something that you're going to keep doing for the, the next several years? Because my guys want to hear that. I'm going to share this with my guys because the reason why I got a 75-pound and 100-pound med ball was so that we could practice the stone lifts. Because we came in like fourth or fifth the first year, and our guys are like, we got to practice. Let's get the mold. I'm like, now I'll just get some med balls. So I have two giant med balls for that. So well, I do have the molds if you ever need them. I have <laughs> molds down here, so uh, you can use them if you want. <laughs> How did you get that started? Well, you know, being, being a lineman my whole life, um, I would see in the summertime, all the skill guys would do the seven-on-sevens. Um, you know, be all over the place. And the poor lineman had no competition at all, nothing for competition. So we started on a small level here. I did it well the first year with three or four teams. And then it got huge. And then the one year, we ended up with uh, Nottingham High School in a tie. And uh, I was amazed because I didn't pay attention to how many people were there and everything. We were at the side of the building. We had to have a tiebreaker. So you guys all remember Zach Tharp. Um, we had Zach Tharp and they had their top guy and we had a small tire and they had a tug of war in the sand pit and it was to right. death. You know, you had to go to, <laughs> and I looked up and up on the hill, there had to be 600 people behind me. There had to be 500 people, but I didn't know there were that many people there because I really didn't pay attention to all the people in the bleachers and everything. And it was all the parents, all the kids, and it was rocking. And there was a photographer there who took a video of it, and it was sharp. And the thing went on for like five minutes, and Zach finally won. You know, he was going to die in that sand pit if he lost. But um, What a beast. And then we decided that we were just going to keep building it. And I'd like to build it even further. I'd like to maybe 
take our, our association and maybe have something like that or, you know, and that's a lot why I like going down to, to Zach's place because um, our kids need competition. Besides the regular game, they need competition where there's no fear to fail. There's no fear to fail. You just go out and give everything you have. You train against somebody else. And that's why I, I love them. And I'd like to build them as much as I can. Wow. And we cannot wait to just do live events. We want to do these things where we bring the kids together. We hold a strength coach conference. I cannot wait for this. I'm zoomed out. <laughs> I had this wild dream one day, Zach, and, I, and I, I, I didn't share it with you. But how's this for a fundraiser for something? We take a tire and we start at my gym and we get about 30, 40 guys and we flip the tire all the way to your place. I think we'll get arrested. <laughs> we have a few connections, you know, and uh, can you imagine doing something like that or even for a long distance and for a charity and everything? They're the kind of things I'd like to see us do. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I don't know about this big man, you know, competition that you have. Let's um, segue into this, you know, speaking of competition, you know, I'll be honest, my numbers are really hit and miss the past, you know, we've been out of school for two weeks with COVID. We're going back Thursday. We're only allowed nine kids in a weight room. We're so hit and miss. What are you doing now to kind of keep some sort of consistency going, not just for the training of the kids, but the emotional um, well-being of these kids is so crucial. You know, Paul mentioned losing one of their athletes in the beginning of COVID I'm not sure how we lost a student athlete like two or three weeks in. It was like early April to, you know, one of our kids. And uh, I said to myself, man, if we were just together on the regular, like we always were, it could have changed things. So what are you doing to keep consistency and keep the emotional well-being of kids going right now? Well, one of the things that I do, and, uh, and you guys know me, anybody that walks in this room is part of my family. And I treated my family, you know, I, it's not rare for me to text them, check on them, to call them and check on them. I don't care about all these rules say coaches can't text kids, can't do this with kids. You know, what are you going to do to me, fire me? You know, I, I don't care because, you know what, it's a kid's well-being at this point. Um, and I'm big on social media. And, I, you know, I, you go on my Facebook page, you go on Instagram. These kids, they work out at home. They send me videos. I see it. Um, and I'll post the videos. But what you guys don't see is the comments. You know, me back, hey, great job, you know, Zach, way to go, you know, keep working hard. And they live for that because they're missing that right now. And yeah. So it's almost like we haven't missed a beat. Plus, I think one of the things that if I could really tell young coaches is be a teacher. Because I think I do a good job of teaching technique and everything. So now the kids, when they've gone home, I don't think our technique has suffered that much. And I think the kids have gone out and bought a lot of equipment, uh, does the things, and it's not a whole lot different than working in here other than having me up here but all the time, you know, moving you and keeping sure. you going and everything. But um, I think that constant communication, that constant, you don't let that family go away. Um, look, let's face reality. Um, life sucks sometimes. Um, and it just right now we could all sit down and we could have a wine and cheese party of wine all the time. But what good is that going to do us? Okay, the good Lord gave us uh, another day, gave me today. 
I'm going to use it to my on my best, and we're going to go out and we're going to kick the we're going to kick butt today. Mm-hmm. And you know, and that's the way I'm looking at it. Now, right now, <laughs> it's tough because I do a six thirty lift with my football if they're in school, but if they're not, they're working out at home because to get them to come back here is tough. Yes, because a lot of our kids, you know, go, go come from a long distance and everything, right. and our kids are taking a lot of pride. I bet you every one of our kids has purchased a pull-up bar and has one at home. So now I know that and we can use that in our program. And I've used the Jay and John theory where, like we talk about pushing, you either bench or you do push-ups. I give them different options. Yeah. And, and, and they've worked hard at it. But I think the answer to your question is that I love them like they were my own sons or daughters and they're part of my family and they know that. They could call me any time of night and I'm going to be available there for them. You're the best coach. That's awesome. What, Paul, do you, before we ask coach McKenna for a movie or food recommendation, do you have a last question for him? I don't have a question. I just have a comment that, you know, I, we, I've been, to, I've been to several conferences with coach. I remember the first one we went down in Georgia and it's always the same. And, and I, 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 I can't hear it enough. You know, there's so much argument, and there's a lot of sometimes headbutting in our profession between five by five, like you were talking about the other day, and that's not right, or this isn't right. And coach always says, hey, listen, I don't have one program that I go by. We go in and we work hard every day. And to me, that's something I, I really, really live by all the time is that, you know, we can put something out on the board. We want to make sure we do it right, have great technique. The kids have energy. Energy mirrors energy in the room. and I live by that with coach. So I, I really appreciate your words over the years, coach. Um, it's make me, it's, it's, it's made me a better coach, but more importantly, a better man. I hope. Uh, oh, thank you. I think the only key component that I really have in all the programs I do is called failure. Cause I think if you have failure built into your program, they're going to succeed in the long run. Yeah. Because if you just let them come in and just pump weight around and they're not failing, they're not working real hard. Got to struggle. Yeah. Got to fail. You got to fail. Right. Well, well, coach, real quick, how what is the time block now for a training session? Has it changed? Is it thirty minutes? Is it forty five minutes? We have, we go for an hour, hour okay. on, fifteen minutes of cleaning, then an mm-hmm. hour, hour on. I so I you. run three programs after school, and um, so they're an hour, fifteen minutes of cleaning, and then another group comes in. I got you. What do you, um, you know, feel, let, let's ask, we've been asking a little bit of sets and reps. Um, what do sets and reps look like for your big lifts? You know, you know, squatting, trap bar deadlift, those kind of big lifts. Um, I'm a big five by five guy. And you know that exact, I like the five by five. I like to keep things moving. Um, we're blessed with our racks with our squats. We have these max out towers. Um, that someday I'd like you to come down and take a look at it. They're pretty amazing. Um, but but I, I like to stay lower reps, and I like to hit it hard. Um, and, and I think we keep our technique better by staying within the five and five. Yeah, when you start fatiguing on those big lifts, especially a younger athlete, they don't have the emotional know-how to maintain technique under fatigue. That is an advanced lifter. And we don't have advanced lifters, even if we have a high level athlete, you know, even I've said, I've seen Olympic athletes not know how to train in the weight room. 
they're a you know world class uh, athlete, but they're ranked beginner weight room, you know, and so um, soup, yeah, interesting. So I need to take a personal day. We should take a personal day and get together. And that's I love it. You know that a professional day. I mean, a professional development day. I can't wait to you know do these live events together. So, Coach, this has been um, great. You're over at Notre Dame Prep, which is Lawrenceville, correct? Yes, sir. So they're right near the College of New Jersey and also Ryder, very close. And uh, real good news, you know, one of the kids I've been training for three years now is looking uh, quite heavily at Notre Dame. And I said, oh, you're going to love Coach McKenna. I go, and now you don't got to drive 45 minutes to me. <laughs> like, there you go. You could lift in school and do your stuff in school. And, and get in and out. So I hope he, he makes that, he makes that decision. He's a great kid, great family. And I said, you know, when I think of you, coach McKenna, what I think about is like, who would I let train my kids? Who would I yeah. let, who would I want to be around my kids? I think about you. That's it. Thank you. And you know, both of you, I think the same thing. <clears throat> I said this before to you, Zach, you know, that, you know I, I recommend people down that way all the time. And they say, where should I go? And I said, there's nobody better. Um, I think we're blessed in New Jersey. I think we have a lot of good guys, but I, uh, I'm with two of the best right on the screen here. So, uh, and you know what? It's not only about being a good coach. It's about being a good person too. That's what it's all about. And really. that's what it's really all about. Are you a good person? Yes. And, you know, I only hang around with good people. So, You're the you best. know, that's just the way it is. All right. Well, I can't wait to see you in person, give you a hug. I want to see, I just can't wait to see you again. So looking forward to that. Um, I'm going to stay on with Paul for a few more minutes. Oh, you, wait, any... you missed the movie thing. Oh yeah. my goodness. Come on. What? You can't tell. Look behind me here. What I do you can't... think my movie is? Oh, I see it. Well, now I'm it's a Rocky a... guy. Yeah, but which Rocky? <laughs> any of them. Oh, it doesn't man. matter. You I'm... put that music on. Now, I got to tell you what, as I've gotten older, yeah. I fell in love with the last one because, you know, the old guy coming back, he came back, you know, and, and fought and everything. And that, you, you kind of identify that every one of them and food, give me a bowl of chili and I'll eat it all day long. Oh, wow. the I thought you, I go. thought you were going to say like a Philly cheesesteak. All right. Chili. Nice. Ah, chili. Good. My wife there, makes the best chili in the world. There's a deli yeah. near me that makes some pretty awesome chili. I think I'm going to pick it up for my son. So when he comes home, he's got a hot bowl of chili. There you go. You put nice. a little hot sauce in it, you know, and everything, and it doesn't get any better than that. Rocky and chili. I could just see it now in the bomb shelter watching Rocky <laughs> three when Rocky's training in the tough gym and coaches just eating his chili, preparing for the next group to come in. That's I, right. What's Paul? What's your favorite Rocky? I mean, that's a tough one. Oh, uh, no, I'm, I'm a Clubber Lang guy because, you know, Clubber Lang was just like Rocky. You know, he's, he's doing the pull-ups off the rafters, everything else. Um, I don't know. I just thought that was the best one. And, and you know, it was a hard, it was a tear at the heartstrings too when Mick passed away. So it was a tough one. Very but, tough. Uh, hey, Zach, I want to congratulate you on becoming state director. Um, we couldn't turn it over to a better guy. Um, now that uh, Paul and I have had the chance to kind of lay the foundation for, for the, uh, the organization, I'm going to still stay involved. So yes, you're on our committee advisory. Yeah, but um, man, I think we're going to go. We're going to go knee places. We're we're going to take this to another level. I think. 
Well, John, our, our um, conversation last episode, I don't know if you've watched or listened, was Paul and I, I said it's so hard to try to help coaches in New Jersey. It's very strange, but Paul said down south, it's like such a family and brotherhood. What is going on in our Northeast where you try to help somebody and you could say, listen, I heard that, you know, a kid decapitated himself while benching. I'd like to help. And then that coach will still say, I'm good. We got it. So what? Somebody's head flew off when we were benching. It's only one kid. Like well, One of the things I think you find down south is they're mostly all school coaches. Yes. Or up here, how many really full-time school coaches do you have? Not Maybe. many. And not many. Were- and they're private guys. And I think they get territorial. And I think we have to break that down. I think you're going to do a great job of it. We're going to help you any way you can. But I think we're going to create our own little brotherhood here. Yeah. I like that picture you put up, the little the little mafia thing. Uh, the Sopranos. <laughs> we're going to become our own little brotherhood uh, here. And I think we're going to be we're going to be just fine. That's what we need. I want us to be I want, you know, a coach to be able to reach out to anybody on the advisory board and just say, listen, like I need help with getting more kids in. Can you hop on the phone with me for sometimes a coach might need a pep talk, you know, or a coach might need to stop by and say, uh, look, man, we've had a couple of injuries or, you know, my, my kids are too sore. What, what can, can you show me what your last week of training looked like? Yeah. Let me take a photo of my whiteboard for you. Here's the sets and reps. Here's why this warming up that we do is important. Just I want them to feel they could reach out to us and then take something, plug it into their program the day, that day, and just be like, man, that was great. And now it's better for the kids. Everything I wanted to always come full circle of what is the best thing to do for the kids. Let's keep doing the best thing for the kids. And uh, that's it. It's super cut and dry for me. I love what you said. Let's keep those whiteboards going because that's a, that's a dying thing anymore. And I, I've got three or four of them in here, you know. I, I love a whiteboard, and I, I uh, I'm not a big computer guy. So, uh, hey, guys, thank you for having me thank on. Thank you, buddy. Um, thank you, Coach. You. Any coach in the state of New Jersey, any coach anywhere, reach out to me, uh, McKenna at ndnj.org. Willing to help you. My legacy, my legacy, I want it to be that I left this profession a little bit better than it was before. So that, that's my goal. Guys, have a great day. And thank Bye, coach. See you, coach. Take care. See you, buddy. Ball hang tight. There we go. Wow. Great times with coach. That guy is all heart. Oh. That's yeah. it. And if you visit him, you got to bring him a bowl of chili now. That's the way to his heart. <laughs> I know. You know, he couldn't uh, pinpoint which Rocky was his favorite. And <clears throat> it's tough. You know, the Rocky Four montage. You know, I was in like third grade when that came out, maybe fifth grade. And that's crazy. That montage is still fire. But I love, you know, Mickey told Rocky, he's like, Rock, you did so good for yourself. You got this beautiful house, the money, the cars. He's like, but the worst thing that could happen to a fighter is he gets civilized. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if that was, I think that was the beginning of Rocky Four. Well, maybe it was Rocky three. Yeah, that was that was Clubber. That was Clubber Lang. And so, yeah, yeah, he knew that I take that to heart is that training does need to be tough. It doesn't have to destroy the kids, but it's got to challenge them. And look, 
tough might simply be, you know, farmer walks and sleds for three sets. That might be tough enough for what an athlete needs. Um, and like coach McKenna said, his, he emphasizes the work. He likes to move around. And then you talk to somebody like Jim Wendler, they squat and then they superset it with incline dumbbell bench and chest supported row. That's a lot of tough work. Yeah. You know, doing a heavy lift with those two supplemental lifts, sets of 10. I did it yesterday at my gym. We did squats. This is the end of our third week, a three-week cycle. We squat, incline dumbbell bench, <clears throat> and then body weight pull, which could be a rope climb. I say if you could get more than 10 or 12 pull-ups, you got to do at least one set weighted pull-ups. And then some of our heavier kids or even a middle school athlete might do one or two pull-ups and then they'll go and like pump out the remainder on a recline row, you know, inverted row. Nice. So great stuff talking with coach McKenna. Um, we got, you know, everybody watching, listening. We are on Apple podcasts. We're on Spotify. Um, you could leave a review. That's going to help us spread the word. And of course, go to nhssca.us, become a member. And if you're in New Jersey, uh, send us an email, reach out to Paul, myself, John. We've got Mark Rosamilia over at Middletown High School North, John Torrey at Princeton, who has no weight room. He's training the athletes outside, so he's really making it happen. So we've got all the kind of geographical areas of New Jersey. Please reach out to us and introduce, and of course, introduce yourself when you get into the Facebook group. And then visit our sponsors. You know, start, uh, I'll, I'll leave it at this. Um, <clears throat> In my observation, my uh, principal said, Zach, do you have some sort of a plan, like a map of what the upgrades to the weight room will look like? And I said, he said, I'd like to include that. And he said, make sure you include pictures. So I look, you know, I see who our sponsors are. And I look at like, here's, you know, we're going to get turf on the first year because we need to keep it clean and we need better flooring and we want to be able to have sleds inside. And here's a photo of a weight room with turf and equipment down the perimeter. Then the next year we're going to get a rig and here's what that looks like with dumbbells up to new dumbbells up to 50 pounds. The next year squat racks on the other side. I took photos of those squat racks and photos of uh, dumbbells. And he's like, man, this is beautiful. He's like, this is amazing. This is what I wanted to see. And he's the one that gave me the idea, but the board of education wants to see what, where is this thing going? What is that is, what is strength and conditioning? Is it the same as going to retro fitness or planet fitness? They don't know. You need to educate the decision makers and uh, you know, little by little, like our buddy Jason said, he, he ironically did equipment first, then flooring. Normally we do flooring first, but I, he, he has good flooring right now. So he said, you can't overdo it in one shot. Yeah. And, and you're right on the money. It's the board of education and the community too, because you know that it's it's public record. So they're going to see where money's being spent, yeah. and they're going to show up, and they're going to voice their opinion as well. And um, going back to that connection piece, you have that connection in the community. They're going to realize and believe that what they're spending their money on is going to be the best for their for their sons and daughters. You that's know, right. that's what it comes down to. Is this going to be? Is this going to benefit my children and family yeah. members? And um, that's also why a good reason to, to get your stuff on Instagram. So parents yeah. could see what you're doing. So uh, very good. Paul, any, any closing remarks before we shut it down on episode three? 
No, just uh, if, if you're watching, leave the comments with us and let us know some topics you want to hear about. Um, we're, you know, we're going to try and get the best people on and, but we want to talk about what you want to hear. So yeah. uh, let us know what you want to hear. Yeah. We haven't had anybody say we want They haven't let us know what they want to hear. No, the people have not spoken yet. So maybe a local high school coach running the weight room in New Jersey could send an email and uh, let us know or get into the Facebook group. That's an easy way for us to see it. What topic do you want us to really zone in on? And uh, that's it, guys. We will catch you next time. Keep doing the best that you can for the kids. That's always what's number one. If you do that in your heart, you'll make the right decisions for the kids and you'll be inspired to educate yourself and become better. So, uh, again, thanks from uh, National High School Strength Coaches Association. On behalf of Paul and myself, boom, we'll talk to you guys next time. Hold on, Paul.